You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Erica Bennett, Leadership and Executive Development Partner through the Leadership Development Institute at Independence Blue Cross in Philadelphia. Welcome, Erica. Happy to be here. Thank you, Laura. (laughs) I'm so glad to have this opportunity to talk to you today. Before we hit the ground running, let me ask you this. What are you reading today? Today? What am I not reading, Laura? Um, in addition <laughs> to like a thousand books on team building and leadership development, I have been trying to slow down and read some books for pleasure. And so just recently, I had a lot of books shipped from my home in New Jersey. I'm here in Fort Lauderdale during the pandemic I'm with my son. And as I was ripping through my mini boxes, like 13 boxes <laughs> of books, 13 that I had shipped here from New Jersey. And that's I your ran- temporary residence yes, that you shipped 13 boxes of right. books to. Well, I mean, I have to have my books and my things. I have to have my things. And Kindle's not going to do it for you, huh? Kindle is not going to work out for me. <laughs> and so, but in that box, there was a book that I haven't read in a really long time, but that I have read a lot. And it is so fitting now. And I'm so glad you asked me this question, but it's called The Not So Big Life. Mm. The Not So Big Life. And it's uh, written by a former architect. And she spent years essentially designing these palatial homes and environments for people and sort of found that a lot of her clients weren't literally living in the homes that she helped design and started to flip her approach a bit to say, who are you and how will you utilize the space? How are you literally going to want to experience the space? And uh, started to kind of think that the house was designed based on the way the living would occur. And so it didn't Mm. have to always be a 12,000 square foot house. It could be a smaller home, which is a really nice analogy around what are you putting into your life? You know, what are you pouring into your life? What are you pouring into? And so it was great. I kind of flipped through it and thought, oh, great. I'll put it on the pile, read a page or two, forget about it, go to the next book. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, but that sounds interesting. So say the name again. It's called? It's called The Not So Big Life. And she also has another book. I can't remember her name. Um, and then <laughs> we'll find another, it. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll find it. And then another one. And I think she also wrote the book, The Not So Big House, which rolled into The Not So Big Life. So quite a few, a really, really good book and quick read too. So Interesting. Okay. So I want to know what her definition of not so big is if she's used to working with 12,000 square foot mansions. I think that she would probably say if in fact you can live and experience and move through your life and it takes 12,000 square feet, no judgment, go for that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to feel that every nook and cranny really does have a purpose and a meaning and you can sort of see how your life unfolds in your home, it may not take as much or it may take more. So it's it's a really interesting concept. Interesting. Okay. So there you go, everybody. When you're not looking for business (laughs) development or professional development of some sort, (laughs) get your home in order. That's right. Absolutely. Now, give us a, a real quick overview, of course, of what is Independence Blue Cross and what is the Leadership Development Institute within it? 
Absolutely. So Independence Blue Cross Health Insure, part of Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, serving the greater Philadelphia area. I am really, really fortunate to be with this amazing organization. We have a really, really strong presence in the community, very, very committed, especially given what's going on right now within our communities in the area. But I have been with Independence for close to five years now, and I work within our human resources area, specifically within our Leadership Development Institute. And that's essentially the arm within our corporate university that's responsible for all leadership development for our firm's leaders. It's our job to make sure that if there is a gap around their ability to do their very best work, we essentially have a wide array of tools that we can use to really help them close those gaps. So if you're creating programming, if you're creating Mm -hmm. development tools, then who do you need to influence? Wow, gosh. Um, it really is a variety of individuals. And so the way our process typically works is I might hear from you, say, a very, very senior leader, and they may have either a leader that is undergoing some sort of a leadership challenge, or it might be that they want to take a a larger look at perhaps their recruitment efforts or looking at their retention, looking at their succession planning, whatever the issue is. And so once we really decide to kind of, you know, we do the assessment, we determine what is the best sort of approach I can certainly make a recommendation. And then from there, it's really about presenting that recommendation to our leaders, which is almost always with some particular subset of their immediate management team. Generally, when a very senior leader uh, has an idea or has a desire for some sort of an intervention, that leader isn't necessarily looking at that intervention for one particular area within his division. It will absolutely cross multiple areas. And so influencing is so important because we are now saying, these are the recommendations this is how you might want to look at this. And it is never straightforward. It is never, ever linear. And it really does require, I think, understanding your influence style and really paying close attention to how do people need to be influenced and really trying to find the right balance. Independence is a very relationship-oriented culture with a lot of super smart people. And uh, you can certainly have a really fantastic idea and a lot of passion behind that. But you've really got to be able to create a direct line of sight to how that's going to add value and really impact results. And so influencing becomes really important in my role. In doing so, then what's the biggest communication challenge that you or independents are facing today? Within the context of what's happening in the world today, uh, given the social unrest, given just sort of this prolonged uncertainty, this anxiety and stress that so many people are continuing to navigate as they attempt to manage dual roles, working from home, taking care of children, so on and so forth, and still wanting to get the right results. Laura, I honestly have to tell you, it is really helping associates you know, navigate personal anxiety. It's perhaps really having to still have pretty difficult performance-related conversations, even though, you know, you're sensitive to the fact that people are and could be really troubled by a lot of what's going on. If you look at what's happening with social unrest in the environment, these are conversations that a lot of associates want to have and that we are having in the organization. So I would say in a nutshell, it's really, for me, it boils down to the ability to have courageous conversations, to have the ability to dial up your empathy, really your EQ. And I can talk about a program we're putting together right now. We've had to pivot really quickly and shift gears around preparing our leaders to develop a lot of confidence to lead inclusively, to really address a lot of the very difficult emotions and feelings that associates are struggling with in addition to their own feelings. So I would say having very difficult, transparent conversations, 
uh, still being able to navigate and manage difficult performance-related conversations because while you want to be sensitive to what's happening in the world, it's still my job to make sure that you are being productive and able to stay focused and to still get the results. And it, it requires a delicate balancing act. And it isn't very easy. It isn't easy at all. No, of course not. It's so sensitive. And to be able to Absolutely. have those kinds of conversations, there's yeah. there are skills that are involved. And there's, Absolutely. you know, I think one of the challenges, and I've referenced this uh, I think back in episode 11 in particular, is that in education in general and in entrepreneurship, we talk about learning curves and the importance yes. of trying and failing and getting up and trying and failing again. Mm -hmm. And in these mm -hmm. kinds of conversations, that isn't exactly <laughs> the the environment. That's not quite the yes. mentality that people have. Like, <laughs> right. try and fail. Just keep failing until you get it right. You know, you'll yeah. learn with each failure. And sure. ooh, how do you do that when there isn't that tolerance for, yeah. you know, mistake as failure if it can go right on your Absolutely. record? Right. This Absolutely. is these are the challenges. How do we train, educate, enlighten mm -hmm. people and grow together in the process that the amount Absolutely. of empathy that has to be there on, on every level, I think, is is challenging. I, I can only imagine, especially to, to programmatically instill that way. I would say that you could not be more right. I think what's really extremely challenging right now is that for many people, as they look out in the world and they see that there are lots of conversations, there's a lot of fear. There is a lot of growth. There's a lot of almost, I like to call it kind of like a cracking wide open, right? So you've, you've been moving in the world in a certain way. You have thought of the world in a certain way. And then of course, when you think about people in your organization, you have looked at them and thought of them in a certain way and your interactions are what they are. But now we are starting to hear people echo their concerns about how they are progressing in their career, for instance. And is there anything that could be hindering that or getting in the way of that because of the sensitivity of what we are seeing out in the world with social unrest? And so for us within the organization, it has been such a beautiful, transformative time for so many of the leaders as our team has been working very closely with leaders to help them learn how to dial up the courage to have those conversations to begin to open up and just, you know, what do you say? How do I do it? What if I get it wrong? What if I don't say it right? And my biggest piece of advice is you just have to start from the heart. You can easily say, this is a really difficult topic. I want to support you. I want you to know that I recognize that this is a really, really difficult time for you, for people of color, for anybody that feels impacted around what's going on. But instead of looking for a very definitive one, two, three, you know, step one, two, three process, in this particular instance, that's not quite possible, but there are some key things that you can do that can at least get you to a place where you can feel a little more confident to begin to engage in those conversations. And I would say the bulk of our coaching, the bulk of my coaching, the bulk of just working with leadership teams has been around helping them, A, just understand and build out a curiosity around the people that are in front of them, examine perhaps any unconscious bias they may have, really sort of step back and just sort of sit with their own feelings, getting comfortable, feeling uncomfortable. And then just sometimes even role playing with me, you know, and I tell them, I'm like, just ask me, how would you want to start the conversation? And many of them, I have said, you can start the conversation simply by saying, I want to have this dialogue. And I don't know exactly what to say. I may get it wrong, but my intentions are really good. I want to really engage with you in this way. And so I think a long answer to your question is just getting in touch with your own emotional intelligence and just sort of sitting back and asking yourself, if I suffered a loss of any kind, 
how would I want someone to come to me? It's just empathy and seeing the person in front of me as another human being. I am confused. I don't know what to say. I want to be here for you. And I'm, I'm in it with you. You know, just these things that we, we know what to say, but we as sometimes as leaders are a little prescriptive and we want to make sure that we get it right. And I say, you don't want to worry so much about getting it right. You want to just begin to engage and I promise you it will flow. And so it's, it's not easy. And once sort of the dam is open, I find that people are actually kind of able to begin to navigate those really difficult conversations. They aren't easy, but they aren't impossible. And just because they make you feel uncomfortable, you don't quite get a pass, you know, uh, you don't get to avoid leaning in and having them. So. Right. The framing in the beginning, explicitly establishing the intent and acknowledging the potential and even the likelihood of making mistakes and proactively asking for forgiveness for that and to teach me along the way, then you hope that that provides empathy on both sides. Because I think there's an important line between being willing to embrace the, or be comfortable with the discomfort, but discomfort is not lack of safety. Right? You have to be safe to be willing to be uncomfortable. And that's where so many of the challenges would, I would imagine, would come, especially in a large organization like Independence. Without a doubt. I will say what's also very interesting about this is that in most cultures, so prior to coming to Independence, I worked for a small leadership development consulting firm. And so I was sort of doing the opposite of what I do now. As a consultant, we would go in, we would assess organizations and assess sort of their cultures, trying to figure out, was there anything that was getting in the way, you know, here's A, here's B, what's happening in this world? So we could begin to design solutions. And what you start to see, and I say to individuals, when you go through these types of really intense moments, you know, either personally or professionally, it's almost like you have this chance to look deep within and you have a way to almost do a mini assessment of the climate of what's happening within your own team. So if someone says to me, hey, Erica, I'm really struggling opening up and, you know, going to Laura and chatting with her about this. And then I might start to probe a bit and say, so what do you think is at the the basis of that? You know, and then I ultimately might get to something like, it seems like a really heavy topic to mention. And I don't even know that I know her very well. I'm not really sure that I really have a, a really... I mean, it's a professional relationship, but I feel odd going to talk to her about this or that. And I, I would even say, well, well, what is it like when you have to, you know, give Laura performance feedback or, you know, are you able to do that? And then they sit back and they say, that's kind of hard to do too. And so what happens is yeah. we start to peel back the, the uh, layer and we say, maybe this is an opportunity for you as a leader to ask yourself, do I have the right amount of trust? You know, is this a team where people feel like they belong? Do people really feel included in my, in a, within the subset of my team? And so we're finding a lot of those kinds of conversations. And it's really interesting because while the current social unrest is really about what's happening within the lives of Black people and people of color, we know that, you know, this is an opportunity to look at our cultures and say, is this an inclusive culture? Is this a place where people do feel that they can have difficult conversations? Are leaders actually able to dial up their own courage to engage in these conversations? And that requires trust. That requires knowing yourself as an emotionally intelligent leader. That requires having the courage to say, I don't know. And to move from your view of yourself as this expert, this person who's like anchored in what I know and who I am in my title, to perhaps being comfortable with uncertainty, right? Sure. Being comfortable with not knowing and being able to create that space with the person in front of you to say, I don't know and I want to learn. 
And that requires a lot of vulnerability. And so it's kind of difficult, you know, but as we work through, I've been very, very proud of the people I work with, watching our leaders really step into this challenge from our CEO all the way, you know, throughout the organization. So it's been transformative for me too. So yes, of course. Yeah. I like that you mentioned there's, we're going to make mistakes and there's learning curves and all Absolutely. this. So you've helped so many people to learn their lessons and develop their yeah. skills that sometimes when people like us who are quote unquote communications people are yeah. leading discussions, there's an easy expectation for people listening in to say, well, but that's your job. That's, that's your job. You, you do that so naturally. <laughs> exactly. That you yeah. don't make mistakes. I could what? never be you. So let's do a little myth busting here, Erico. <laughs> Give us an example. What's the mistake you made or a yeah. lesson you had to learn the hard way? Where'd you put your foot in your mouth or wish you could just take that moment and go, blah, 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 blah. nope, rewind. Laura, what I'm going to say is as a woman who has proudly entered into my fifth decade, <laughs> I don't make too many. I try not to make too many of those foot paws, uh, but I definitely have to tell you that uh, without a doubt throughout the course of my career, I do. And I would say that no matter what the issue is or the mistake is, I'm so quick to own it and I can recognize it almost as I'm doing it. Aren't there, and aren't there can, the moments when you hear the words coming out of your mouth you, and you have that, I, that yeah, that, just, that out of body experience <laughs> where you wish you hear, everything goes in slow motion and you just hear yourself say it and you go, no, like let me pull those words that. back in. That's not what I meant. They sounded different in my head. So like, what was one of those moments for you? Absolutely. So I am a very transparent person. So most people, when I do, you know, facilitate workshops, which I love to do right now, I've been doing this series on managing stress and anxiety. And because I am an individual, as is my 17 year old son who has a generalized anxiety disorder diagnosis. Mm. And uh, it's been something that I have learned to navigate. I don't, I feel, you know, zero shame about that. But there are times when, because of that, as well as my somewhat energetic personality. Uh, just <laughs> I can't somewhat, relate at all. Can't relate at all. <laughs> just somewhat. I am very much an ideas person. So I used to be in consulting for a really long time. And when your job is to really be more of a systems thinker and you're thinking very broadly and you know you see all the different impacts and I love that people jokingly say at work, give that girl a whiteboard, which I love. You know? <laughs> My whiteboard at, at work, I kid you not, it's like the size of this wall. It's horrible. Mm. And I love it because I really enjoy sort of, you know, thinking big picture and what can happen, which has happened, let's say we're brainstorming an idea and we actually do come to some consensus about next steps. We've decided this is the approach. This is the foundation. So I get myself on a train. At the time I was living in Mount Airy and what do I do? I make the mistake. I put my headphones in and I'm listening to a podcast. It might've been Masters of Scale, one of my favorites. I'm listening and whatever it was, it gave me a different approach to this particular problem or project that we were working on. And so while we, you know, people have their marching orders, people are ready, they're excited. I listen to this and what do I do? Literally go home and revamp the whole thing, come back to work the next day, go into the first, you know, huddle. And what am I doing? everybody, this is it. We've got to revamp. We've got to, you know, I throw myself into it. I don't ask any questions. I literally am talking over everyone. I'm so excited about this new direction that I can't quite see why you wouldn't be excited to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but instead, um, this was uh, earlier in my career, but what I did is it was such a disrespectful thing to do because when very conscientious people who are very detail oriented, who basically are told this is kind of the direction we're going in, they get started on that. They put time, effort, and energy into that. And then I come in and I am not only full of new ideas, but I have literally caused us to shift directions. 
I have not looked at the resources that this is going to require. I am so anchored in the rightness of what I know, as well as kind of writing on the energy of my own perspective, which can be pretty powerful. And I've learned to recognize that about myself. And so as I'm looking and I'm watching and I'm just getting these blank stares, I find myself pushing even harder to get people to understand where I'm coming from. Mm. And then it's just a matter of stopping in the moment and just simply saying, God, I'm so sorry. I realized that I just railroaded this group. And it's feedback that I've gotten before in 360s. It's feedback that I will probably always hear. But the biggest issue around that is not being aware of and cognizant of what's really happening in the room. And even not even being able to slow myself down enough, which, you know, I'm just a train going off the tracks. Or in my mind, I'm on my track and it's the right track. But yeah, but it's something you see all the time. You see people that have a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and you are so riding on that, that you think you can influence based on the rightness and the energy and the strength. And it was a great idea. It was a great way to pivot, but it was absolutely a very disrespectful way to position my point of view. Mm. And so at this point in my life, I'm more inclined to say, guys, I realize that this is where, you know, it's taking a step back, but I would love it if I could just take five minutes, just explain this new way of thinking about this. And I'm good at that now, but I yeah. will tell you, we use DISC a lot sure. at, uh, at Independence. Mm-hmm. And surprise, surprise, I am a parrot. Uh, <laughs> the birds. Preach. <laughs> Preach. Yes, I, I have the high eye, correct. I am all day. And I've actually had to learn, which has probably been one of my uh, one of my biggest lessons around communicating is how do you you literally flex in the moment? And that starts with being aware of your style. And so again, earlier in my career and not so, so long ago, you go present to someone, say a leader in finance. I have learned that it's important for me to dial up gravitas, to really be mindful of executive presence, to slow down my very rapid speech, to literally, you know, ensure that I am watching the room, I'm cognizant of my tone, and just really internally pacing myself and then reading the room. And then from there, once, you know, it's, it's established that you, you know, people can hear you, I can then balance my enthusiasm and my excitement for whatever it is I'm presenting. But that I would say has probably been my biggest mistake in faux pas, not regulating myself not being aware of uh, and curious about the styles of people in front of me and being able to flex in and out and being very, you know, mindful of that. So yes, I would say that if there has been any derailer for me, it's been that. And it's probably one that lots of leaders really struggle with, at least a lot of the leaders I coach. I would think it's almost universal, if not universal, in just everybody gets very passionate about their own perspective and it makes sense in your head. So why wouldn't it make sense in everybody else's? I mean, how could you not? I mean, what are we doing? I run a couple of really interesting programs in independence, and I feel so privileged that I I not only get to sort of work with leaders, but I get to work with them so closely. I can see kind of where are we now, and across the course of whatever we're doing, we can really start to see this awareness and this insight building. And it's always great when I have a session with someone, and they come in and they're like, oh my God, I went in there and everybody actually listened to me and I held their, I held their attention the entire meeting and I'm like, yay, go, woo-woo. But it's not rocket science. I think so much of communicating effectively and communicating with impact, I like the entire idea of influencing. Yeah, it's the consciousness involved of, we talk, we just open our mouth and it happens. And the, the lack of awareness of, of, yeah. of so many of the details, we just don't think about it, so... Yeah. Then with that, what's the next big goal for you or for independence? Yeah, well, within my world, I have to say, first of all, 
I have uh, never been prouder to work for any organization. Dan Hilferty, our CEO, and then my uh, executive vice president and chief human resources officer, Jeannie Heffernan, as well as my boss, Peter Jones. When I tell you that the response to what's happening with this pandemic, the response with what's happening with social unrest, our leaders, they produce weekly videos and they are reaching out in the most profound ways to reassure our associates and to really model engaged leadership, you know, where they are leaning in and saying, let's have these conversations. And one of the things that I am so proud of, I have been developing an inclusive leadership learning series, which along with many people in our Leadership Development Institute, because it is a big effort, we are going to be creating a very highly interactive experiences where all leaders can come together. And Laura, they can begin to look at what is my inclusive leadership style? Am I creating a culture of belonging? Is there anything about how I communicate, you know, whether that's verbally, you know, is there anything that I'm doing that is not creating that culture where people feel that they can trust me, that they belong, they feel psychologically safe, you know, they have a voice, they feel that they can be a part of decision-making, whether that men, women, it doesn't matter, but creating that series is our way of saying, yes, we have a response to what's happening out there in the world, but what are we as leaders doing? How are we preparing ourselves? What actions are we taking to lead more inclusively? And so that class will cover the basics of inclusive leadership. Then we have other parts of the actual experience around dialing up that EQ and understanding empathy, also understanding unconscious bias and microaggressions. We have had all of these courses offered individually in the university, but now we're sort of repackaging them and repurposing them to some degree to really dial in building that inclusive culture and understanding what that climate needs to look like. We are really going to be bringing in all of our senior leaders that will be a part of facilitating those conversations. And so building that program is amazing. It's a six-month program, and it will launch in October. And I have never been prouder. I'm working around the clock to get it up and running. But we normally could take somewhere, you know, three to six months to develop a program. But we have all worked really hard, very agile, pivoting really quickly to just delve in and get it done. So I'm super proud of that. And then also proud of uh, another program we're working on is to develop an enterprise-wide leadership development sort of strategy. Because there's so many different lines of business that have different needs, I've been doing a lot of work over the past two years looking at all of the data from my executive coaching work, internal and external coaching, looking at the things that are coming up with our team builds, trying to really get a sense and feel for what does successful leadership really look like within this culture. And I think we've really sort of nailed that down. I mean, we have our values, we have our competencies, but I'm really interested to build something that is a continuous approach to leadership development where leaders don't just come to a class once in a while, but they are engaging in a very ongoing, very sustainable way where we are continuing to have dialogue about building leadership impact. And so two really big projects, which keep me very busy, but I'm, I'm super excited to be a part of those. So, And you have time for those other 13 books that are on your I nightstand mean, and kitchen what? table. and <laughs> All day long. In addition to the thousand books I'm reading to prep for my, for my projects. But yeah, but it's good work. I'm extremely, I'm a person who really is lucky because I love what I do. And I don't say that just, I love what I do. I mean, I really, really love what I do. And I love that I can make the impact I make. And so it's really a gift. I couldn't agree more that I feel sorry for people who are just getting out of bed in the morning because the alarm clock tells them they have to. And I I just, I'm right there with you. You got to love what you do. Now that brings us to our listener 24-hour influence challenge. So given everything we've discussed so far, 
This is your chance to speak directly to the listeners and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within the next 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? How would I like to challenge our listeners today? I would say to every single listener that you can never pour from an empty vessel. You know, when you're on an airplane and the first thing you hear is, you know, the case of an emergency, put on your own oxygen mask. I would say that if you can today decide just one thing that you can do for self-care, if that is a walk around the block, if that is, you know, putting on Netflix and vegging out for 30 minutes, I strongly encourage you to engage in self-care, make it a regular practice. If you are responsible for teams and you are responsible for getting results, you cannot pour from an empty cup. And so taking care of yourself allows you to give back to others. It allows you to literally pour into others, pour into your families, pour into your teams. But again, you cannot do that if you do not replenish yourself. So I say, fine, one or two things that you can do, engage in self-care. It's not always a bubble bath, although those are great. (laughs) It's not always yoga, although that is fantastic. Sometimes it's simply putting on your favorite CD and just rocking out in your den and closing the window so nobody can bother you. Or let them watch. Um, why not let them watch and dance with your kids, (laughs) dance with your spouse, dance with your dog. It doesn't matter, but something that gets you back to the balance, whether that's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, but something that allows you to just focus on yourself and mitigate any stress and anxiety that you're feeling. That would be my challenge. Now, Erica, to me, this is the universe confirming to us that everyone absolutely must follow that instruction. And here's why. Uh, Now, those of you who are listening on iTunes or Stitcher or just audio only will not be able to see this. So this is why everybody has to go to YouTube if you're not yet and watch the video version of this recording. And of course, all of the episodes are available in their full Zoom video. I have a water bottle here. And Erica, can you read this? Oh my gosh. Now, you know what? That is giving me chills. You can't pour from an empty cup. Take care of yourself first. That is literally on my great big blue water bottle. And this is something that came from the Pennsylvania Convention for Women at last year's conference. I was there. That's right. That's where the, and so this is the water bottle that's sitting right here. And now I have an excuse to take a sip in the middle of the episode. But see, this is the universe telling you all find just five minutes. Doesn't have to be all day, whatever it is, but do something to take care of yourself You've first. You've got to do it. You have to do it. Whether it's getting on the phone and just laughing with your best friend, it doesn't matter. You can't pour from an empty cup. I and mean, if you definitely want to also model that behavior for folks on your teams, if you're getting into your busy season and everybody's starting to feel stressed, you want to slow down and take care of yourself. Laura, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it was not pre-planned. No, I swear it was not. And usually I don't even have this bottle with me. I've got a different one that I'm using. So uh, clearly this was meant to be. All right, Erica, we are going to leap ahead to the speed round then. And these are three common topics that arise in my coaching and my training with clients. And people tend to think of them often as black and white, either Mm -hmm. or choices, which we know deep down they're really not. But they often feel, as I mentioned before, with regard to our parroting uh, similar experience, Yes. Uh, or tendencies, as it were, people who feel like they're the only ones who struggle with these oh, uh, kinds of, of issues. So yeah. we're going to do a little myth busting, let people know okay. that this is not the case. They're not alone <laughs> in it. And we're going to, so I'm going to give you these choices of sorts. And okay. I'd like you to first answer in a single word or phrase. And then okay. I'll prompt you with a little bit of, a, of an opportunity for a little bit more information, explaining or some advice. All right. Sure. First, the big one, public speaking, love it mm. or hate it. Love it. So for those who maybe don't necessarily love it quite so mm-hmm. much, what's mm-hmm. one tip you can give for managing nerves and speaking with confidence, even if they don't necessarily feel it? Absolutely. So I will say that I haven't always loved public speaking. 
And believe it or not, although I enjoy it, I am nervous every single time, Mm. every time. And I think that when you're nervous, it just shows that you care and that you just want to do your best work. But I say that do not over-prepare, but prepare, right? Try to speak about things that you really do feel passionate about and make sure that there is at least one person in the audience, whether they're sitting here, they're directly in front, that that supports you, that they know you. You can look out and see a friendly face and almost always your nerves will immediately evaporate. The other thing is I would say that just know that the first 30 seconds, 90 seconds will be the worst. And once you get into your groove, you're good to go. And if you start with a personal story, you almost always will flow right into your topic quite easily and it will not be a stress at all. So, And for those who do want to follow that advice in particular in my book, and I don't typically do this, but in my book, Speaking to Influence, (laughs) in chapter, I think it's chapter six or chapter seven, there is some specific information about public speaking. And that's what I refer to as the 60 to 60 rule with regard to getting through that, getting into your groove, getting past that first 60 to 90 seconds or so. uh, And a couple of other things that you just mentioned also. So if nothing else, check out the book and go to that, uh, look for the 60 to 60 rule and read the sections around that. Indeed. Next. Introvert or extrovert? Although you just said you're a parrot from the DISC assessment, which is a high I. So I'm going to take a guess on this one, but introvert or extrovert? Well, you might guess extrovert, but I would say that at this point in my life, I probably am more somewhere in the middle of that scale. And I recently heard it referred to as an ambivert, right? Mm. So while I definitely can dial up my energy, my job, my life sort of requires that, and it does come naturally. I'm also someone that absolutely has to replenish. I just do, you know, especially given the work that we have been doing lately, sort of just the heaviness of a lot of the things that we've been talking about. It's real important for me to engage in self-care, especially when I'm finding my sleep doesn't quite feel so good or I'm feeling more distracted than usual. So yeah, typically an extrovert, but I can definitely, definitely, definitely slow it down and just relax when need be. Which I would think you'd have to do if you're going to read through 13 books at a time. What? Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. And that may be 18, not to mention, as I said... Did we not even talk about my other obsession, which are my podcasts? I can't even go through and show you what's on my podcast. And now we're adding one more to the list. Look at that. So we'll make sure that we get the speaking to influence right on the top. I got to download that one every Tuesday. There you go. Absolutely. Because you know, you needed one more to add, but this will be good. This will be really good. We'll we'll bump somebody else off the top. All right. Then, and as an extrovert slash introvert slash ambivert, what's an area of strength and what's an area for growth? So I would say that for my extroverts, it is extremely important to always make sure that you are aware of those in the room that, especially if they are not extroverted, that you are seeking their point of view, that you are actively engaging and pulling them into conversations, that you are mindful, that you are, especially in brainstorming sessions, that you aren't just like me, (laughs) like bombarding the entire group with lots and lots of ideas and just really managing your energy and being mindful that others, it takes them a little longer perhaps to process. They may be more thoughtful. They may very well need time to really digest that information. And this is something you're working on too? Oh, absolutely. I I consciously do it. I recently shared the story that for me, if I'm going into a brainstorming session, even if I call the session, I make sure that I do all of my heavy brainstorming the night before. So when I come into 
into the room, I've got three ideas. I don't have 30. And that's really, really important to make sure that I, you know, it feels collaborative. So for extroverts, just keep the energy, but just be mindful that without meaning to, sometimes your extroversion can come across as you being too bubbly, almost a little manipulative, not as serious as you may think you are coming across. So you just want to sort of dial uh, or, or manage that passion with the right amount of gravitas, depending on the topic and the people in the room. For my introverts, I would just simply say, one of the things that I've heard from some introverts that I coach, they typically will ask a question or always ask some degree of this question or version of it. How can I become more extroverted? Mm. And I simply say, you can't like you are who you are and you should own that and love that. Our hardwiring is what it is. But what you can do, just like I as an extrovert have to be aware, you might want to be thoughtful about what is the meeting about or what is the interaction about? Is there a way that I can begin to share information in a way that feels comfortable to me? So if you don't necessarily want to present in front of, say, the group, is there a way that you can send that information out ahead of time and invite your colleagues to peruse and to take a look at it and then share their point of view? And so there's all always a way around it. But I also say there are times when you do have to dial up the courage to do the speaking and to ask the questions and to push back. Just have some of that positive self-talk and just simply say to yourself, I am getting ready to actually make this statement. And while your heart may be racing, you will absolutely, once you open your mouth, you'll start, you'll be good to go. My other tip for my introverts is to simply get an ally. Have someone in that meeting that you trust that can literally kind of help you begin to sort of frame that and or tag team with them to actually present, Mm -hmm. right? So I might say, hey, Laura, I'm getting ready to go through XYZ. You and I were talking about, so you, you start the presentation by actually bringing in someone that you have sort of recruited to kind of be Mm -hmm. your wingman, so to speak. Lots of different tips. And of course, I say to all of my introverts to please read Quiet by Susan Cain. Because it, a, it's a great book and I never want my introverts or even my ambiverts to feel that there's anything wrong with them or that they need to change and do anything different. But we all have to dial up and dial back our styles and that includes introverts as well. So, Okay. Well, then my last one is about conflict. We all have okay. to deal with it at some point or other, but your natural wiring. Are you yeah. naturally wired to want to avoid it or to address it head on when there is a potentially difficult conversation sure. that needs to be had? My hardwiring is definitely to lean into it, but it's almost always, and I'm going to be very transparent, I know myself to be a people pleaser. I, I do. And I know that that comes from a lot of uh, internal work that comes from a lot of my own internal awareness of myself as someone who may be afraid to disappoint others. And so I know that about me. I know that if I'm not careful, I want to please everyone. And so, yeah, being pragmatic to some degree, I can see both sides and that's great. But there are times when you've got to make the call and it may mean upsetting and or engaging in pushback and conflict. And while it feels ick, because I pride myself on having really good relationships, I think it allows me to have the courage to push back and to do that. So am I a conflict avoider? I wouldn't describe myself as that. I don't feel that it's necessarily something I look forward to doing. Well, but nobody looks forward to it. I don't no think one that's, does, right? right? Like nobody. But I definitely, I have to be thoughtful about it and sort of find a way to quell my nerves when in fact I do know that it's going to be a pretty conflictual situation. It's not easy. Thank you so much for your advice today, Erica. How can people learn more about you and independence? 
Oh, so sure. Always. And, and lots of people will think it's IBC.com, but right. it is IBX.com, uh, certainly for our main website. For me, I'm, I'm easily accessible on LinkedIn, which is a great way to reach out to me. And then, of course, my personal email is erica.bennett at IBX.com. And I'm always happy to stay in touch and answer any questions that I can and support any one of our listeners. So oh, that's great. And of course, if you do reach out to Erica, please be sure to tell her, whether it's via email, <laughs> LinkedIn, or otherwise, that you heard yes. her here on the Speaking to influence podcast. So she knows why she should say yes. I'm sure you get lots of (laughs) random people. You're going introducing themselves or asking to connect. You're going, okay, who are you and why do you want to connect with me? So what better reason than that they heard this interview on the podcast today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh gosh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And everybody else, thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Make sure you listen, of course. Once you've downloaded everything, (laughs) give us a five-star rating on iTunes so that we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Socola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.